Hey, good morning, Restoration Church. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Pastor Andrew. Like Marilyn said, and man, I'm really excited that I get to be a part of the series that we're in called Sinkholes, which I just think has been one of the most uh, amazing ideas that Pastor Nate has had. And so I think he asked me to preach on this a couple months ago. And when he first started talking about it, you know, we talked about sinkholes. And, and so for me, I started to think, oh, a sinkhole, what's a sinkhole? It's when all of a sudden there's a devastating collapse in, in your life or something like that. And so I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great series. It's going to be all about how to deal with things collapsing. And he kind of, like, he went, no, 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 that's, that's not the idea behind the series. The idea is, what is it like when internally there's something, some, there's, there's a cavern building that eventually leads to a sinkhole? And so what would happen is something inside of you collapses, and then it causes an outward destruction around you. And this could be your marriage, this could be your relationship with the friends, this could be your job, this could be a ton of different things. And so I started to think, wow, that's, that's a really, like, man, that's, that's really good. Like, that's a really good sermon series idea. I love it. I love the idea of, like, man, what, what does it mean to be healthy on the inside? That way we can protect that which is on the outside. And so I was like, oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. And so as I thought about it, and as I began to plan out this sermon and began to think over the past few months, and especially like month last, this past month and a half, I came to a profound and deep revelation, and I want to share that with you. So I came to understand something very deep, and this is what it was. I am the worst person possible to preach on this. Um, <laughs> And so it was stressful for me because here, here's, re, here, here's the reality, especially with the topic we're going to talk about a little bit today. I have not figured it out yet. I don't have all the answers to this one. And that is a scary place to be for me because I have to get up here and I have to talk about this because I think God put something on my heart to talk about. But I have to open up to you that the reality is I don't have this all right yet. And so have patience with me, have grace with me as we go through this. Some of you older folks might be like, oh man, you're so adorable, you whippersnapper, I figured that out 50 years ago. That's okay, that's okay, but, but I think there, there's genuinely something here for us to all take away, something from us to all learn. And man, I, I firmly believe that my transparency is going to help your ability to understand God. And so as we go through this, I'm going to share some things about me that I've been wrestling through, and I'm still trying to figure out, and I might not have the total answer, the sum total of it, but I've taken a couple steps forward, and maybe that's all you need to do today. So, so let's go on this journey together um, with grace in our hearts and in our minds. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to jump right into a Bible story, because I think uh, this story sets up exactly what we're talking about today. So, so I want to start with that. And before we go into it, I want us to approach it with this mentality. Every time I read a story in the Bible or, or in one of the books, I always ask myself this, why did this get included in the Bible? Why this story? And so one of the things that uh, the scriptures say is in John, it says, uh, if all the things that Jesus did in his life were written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill the, to, to, to record them all. And so that means that every time we read a story, there was a particular reason that it was included. And so I always approach them with the mentality of why this story? Why, what's in here that's so important that with all of the possibilities about Jesus's life, this is what they chose to record. And so I think this one's interesting because this is coming from the perspective of Luke, who, who is a doctor and who spent his life 
um, helping people who were broken get better. And so it's with that mentality and that meticulousness that, that he's approaching this kind of, this scripture. And so, so he's dealing with that. And he shares this story, which in my opinion is just a very strange story that, that doesn't have a miracle that Jesus performs. It doesn't have like this big moment where thousands of people come to understand some new truth. It's this weird little moment where it's just Jesus and his friends hanging out. It's just them hanging out in a house and the story of what happened in that house. And it's such, a, it's such a powerful moment that we get to see like the humanity of who Jesus is and the humanity of the people who are around him. Because, because we hear a story that many of us will relate to if we look deeper at it. So, so with that mentality, let's approach Luke 38 through 42. And so it says this in Luke 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details, but there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So, so let's, let's, like, let's put on a lens of what's happening and see ourselves in this situation. I think all of us could understand pretty well what's going on here. So imagine with me, if you will, that you are Martha. And many of us will probably be like, yeah, I've been that before. Where you're sitting there and you have guests coming over to your home and you are the only one cleaning, you're the only one cooking, you're the only one preparing the table, you're the only one helping out with anything. All of us have been in that situation where we realize we are the only one who ever does anything in our home. Whether it be we're the only one who mows the lawn, we're the only one who does dishes, we're the only one who puts shoes away, we're the only one we realize and we understand and empathize very very deeply with Martha in this moment when we begin to understand, yeah, I get why she's frustrated. And like, for me, I can see this moment like happening where, um, you know, it's a family dinner style type thing. Everyone's there and you see Martha start out so excited that everyone's here. And then slowly she's just in the kitchen kind of huffing more and more. And every time she walks past her sister, she's like, <sighs> and breathing, maybe slapping her on the back of the head, all the normal things like that. But, but she's getting more and more upset, and she's, she's beginning to get more and more upset because she's, she's thinking to herself in this, in this moment, I'm the only one fulfilling my role. I'm the only one doing what I'm supposed to. My sister should be helping me prepare her home, but I'm the only one doing it. And so it's with that mentality that we're going to enter in because, because I think a lot of us find ourselves in this mentality pretty consistently, but in a different way. So, so this is where I'm going to share a little bit uh, about my life where, where I have to be vulnerable for you in this moment. So, so I think about a month and a half ago, we had an all-staff meeting. So every month, we and the whole staff, we, we go to one of our locations, and, and we spend time there talking with each other, talking about the church, talking about what's going on in our personal life. And Nate always kind of preaches to us and, and teaches us and, and pushes us to be better. And so he, he's talking. And this time, we went up to Plymouth. And we began to talk about what does it mean to be healthy in ministry? 
And so this is a really tricky thing to answer because, it, it, honestly, it, it's weird being a pastor because sometimes your, your spiritual life, your work life, your home life is all mixed up into one. And so it's this weird situation. So it can be very easy to burn out or to give up or to leave the ministry. And Nate never wants any of us to experience that. So, so we started talking about it. What does it mean to be healthy in ministry? So we watched a video about it. We started talking about um, how important it is to, to understand yourself. And, and, and so we talked about it, and it was great. And I got a lot out of it, and then we started to drive home. And so Jeremy, Nate, and I were all riding together back from Plymouth. And so we're riding together, and Nate just kind of asked this question. He's like, hey, so guys, talk to me about all staff. What did you learn? And so we just kind of, Jeremy and I just kind of start talking like, oh, yeah, like this was, this was something that I felt like I was learning, and this was. And then I uttered a line that kind of, it, it rocked my world in that moment. And so I remember I said this line, and instantly, like, I'm on the verge of tears. Like, and I had to, like, fight them back because I was like, I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, that's my boss and my friend, and I don't want to cry in front of them right now. And so I'm, like, pulling these tears back into my face, and, and I'm trying not to cry. And they might not have even notice I was on the brink of tears, or they were just nice enough not to say anything. Um, but I'm sitting there, and the line that I said was, I, I don't, if I wasn't a pastor, I don't know who I would be. And that scared me because it kind of made me think if I woke up tomorrow and for whatever reason I didn't have my job, if I got fired or I had to quit or something like that, not saying that's, that's going to happen, but, but if that happened, I don't know who I would be. And that started to terrify me because I realized that's a sinkhole in my life that just hasn't collapsed yet. And so I'm sitting there and I'm beginning to wrestle through, like, I don't have an identity outside of my job. And it messed me up. And so, like, I'm just, like, kind of sitting there. And that, and that just kind of became what I pro started to process over these, this past month and a half. Like, man, what, what am I outside of this? Who, who am I? And, and, and Nate expressed it this way. And he expressed it when I first came on staff and, and he's talked about it since then. And it's a phrase that's always stuck with me forever. And it goes like this. Uh, I, I'm a real good employee of God, but I'm not a very good child of God. A real good employee of God, but I'm not a good child of God. And so let's take this and maybe, maybe take it into a step in your life. And you might not be wrestling with, who am I if I'm not a pastor? But you might wrestle with things if I were to ask you, who are you if you're not a mom? Who are you if you're not a dad? Who are you if you're not an employee? Who are you if you're not a small business owner? And when you start to hear those questions, you kind of begin to get uncomfortable potentially. Because all of a sudden, you, you're confronted with, with this, this idea that, like, I, I don't know who I am if I'm not if outside of the role that I feel I've been called to fill. And so this is, this is where I think we get to the heart of what's going on with Martha. So look, Martha, if we asked her, she wouldn't know how to define herself outside of being the host. So if you told her, stop being the host, she wouldn't know who she is anymore. And that's part of the, the frustration that she's, that she's expressing is she's saying, this is who I am. This is the only way I know how to show love to God is, is I only know how to show him love through working to be good enough. 
And so with this mentality, like think about it, she's invited Jesus into her home. She's invited him to come spend time with her, but instead she's spending all of her time making sure everything looks perfect. And we often fall into this trap that we have to fulfill a certain role in order for God to love us. That we have to fulfill something. We have to work hard enough. We have to pray enough. We have to spend enough time with them. We have to worship enough. We have to volunteer enough. We have to do all of these things, and then God will finally love me. But that's not what he wants from us. Necessarily, so so imagine like, and, I'm, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like volunteering, you know, being a part of the church, going to church. These are all great things that are good for you. But the heart behind why you're doing them matters enormously. And so if we jump, if, like let me let me express it this way. Imagine, if you will, your kid at whatever age they were most adorable to you. So I know they're always cute, but you have a favorite age, like maybe they're five, maybe they're seven, maybe. They're like 10, but they're the most adorable age you can imagine. There's your little kid. And one day after dinner, for no reason, your kid just gets up and starts doing the dishes by themselves, not without asking you. And you're like, oh man, this is, this is great. I love this. And so you start to get excited. And then, and then the next day it happens again. And you're like, oh man, I must be the best parent in the world. My kid is doing the dishes without me even asking, everything like that. And this, this goes on for a few weeks. And so you, you just kind of fall into a routine, and, and you're so excited, like, man, your kid is just, is just loving, is just serving and, and, and doing dishes and stuff like that. And so you and your spouse, uh, you kind of develop a new tradition where you, you kind of be like, all right, so since we don't have to do the dishes right after dinner anymore, we're going to go, and we're going to go sit, and we're going to go watch TV, or we're going to play a board game with the other kids, or something like that. You, you kind of develop this new family tradition, and, and things go on like this, and it's, and it's so much fun, and it's so amazing, because you, know, you see your kid working hard and, and doing this, and, and you're proud of them. And then one day, that little kid walks up to you and says, hey, mom and dad, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I've been doing the dishes a lot. And you're like, yeah, we did. You know, we're so proud of you. It's so great um, what you're doing. And, and, you know, it's awesome. And they're like, yeah. Um, so I was just wondering, does that mean I can finally sit on the couch with you when you watch TVs? Does that mean you love me now? Like, Imagine your, re- like your instant reaction is like, my kid is never doing dishes again. Like, if that's what they think I, like they have to do to earn my love, to earn the right to spend time with me, then something is broken here. Like, my kid should never have to feel like they have to earn the right to spend time with me, earn the right to my love, earn the right to, to, to just being in my presence. That's, that's, that's the opposite of the family that I am desiring to have. But that's the exact mentality we approach God with. God, if I make myself better, you'll finally let me be a part of your family. God, if I make myself better, uh, if I work harder, you'll finally accept me. If I, if I find a role to fill, that's what will give me value. If, if I do this or that, that that's, that's when I'll finally make it and be able to, to be close to you. And God is, in this moment, so we see this, and, and that's kind of what Martha is doing. Like, I, I think I don't want to get down on her because I feel like I often do this in my life. Like, it might not necessarily be preparing the home, but, but I realize, like, man, I'm working to earn my place in Jesus' presence. 
I'm working to earn my role and my right to spend time with him. And that's the exact opposite of what God wants from you. He doesn't want that. He just, he wants you to be with him. He, like Mary's sitting there, he just wants to spend time with her. He wants to know her. And so uh, as I began to struggle through this, I was like, man, like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty messed up. I, I don't know who I am. I'm, I, 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 need, I need help with this. So I need to start talking to someone about this. So I was like, all right, I need to find someone to talk to. So I started talking to someone. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling through all this stuff. Like, man, like, what does it mean that, that if I lost my job, I wouldn't know who I am? Like, that's scary to me. And so I'm trying to figure this out and trying to work it out. And through, like, conversations and talking to this person, finally, he said something to me that, that kind of, like, a, a light went off in my head. He said, uh, Andrew, I think you're really bad at being. I was like, what? And he's like, you're, you're bad at just existing. I was like, all right, what the heck does that mean? Like, how can you be bad at existing? He's like, well, let me, let me unpack this and, and talk you through this. Like, he's like, one of the things that you express, and so I kind of talk about one of my problems in life is, and especially in the culture we live in that's scary, is I constantly consume media. And so it's not necessarily like bad. I mean, some, I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I binge a whole season of a show on Netflix, but who doesn't? But the reality is like, I, I'm constantly consuming media and it's not necessarily bad. Like sometimes I'll, I'll just sit there and I'll listen to two hour long lectures. I'll, I'll listen to sermons. I'll, I'll be listening to these things and I'm just filling my head. But I, I, I honestly can't say the last time I just sat in silence. Like I can't just, like sitting in silence for me is just stressful. I can't do it. I have to constantly have something. So there's always an audiobook playing. There's always a YouTube video playing. There's always a lecture playing. There's always something. Even when I go to sleep, like I can't go to bed by just laying down. I have to have an audiobook playing or, or something like that. And, and he just kind of unpacked. He's like, Andrew, you're scared to just exist. You're scared to just be. And it's like kind of in that moment, like it was like I was holding up a mirror that like the scary thing about silence for me is the fact that in that moment, I have no option but to be myself. And when you don't know who you are, that is terrifying. There's nothing scarier than being alone with yourself when you don't know who yourself is. And so I just kind of had to start wrestling through that. Like I can't be in silence because I'm just bad at being. I'm just bad at existing. I, I, I'm scared to be in silence with God because, man, like, I'm scared of what he's going to say to me. I'm scared of the things he's going to open up and the things he's going to show me in my own life. And, 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 like, that's a reality that I think a lot of us live in. Like, in the moment where we don't have our role anymore, we are terrified to exist. So in the moment, you know, in the moment where everything shifts, so maybe one day you have all your kids at home, the next thing you know, they're all off to college. Like, that shift is a terrifying moment. Or, or maybe, you know, the moment you, you have a job, but the next morning you don't. The, the moment you were a good parent one day, and then the next day you feel like you're an awful parent because everything goes wrong. All of a sudden, your world begins to crumble, and, and the concept of being with just yourself is scary because you don't know who you is. You haven't spent enough time learning. You haven't spent enough time being with just yourself. And in that moment, like, that's what Martha is struggling with. Is she's saying, uh, you know, if I just sat at Jesus' feet, I wouldn't know who I was. I wouldn't know my role. I wouldn't know my purpose. I wouldn't know what I'm, what I'm trying to do. 
And that is terrifying to me. And so I'm wrestling through all of this and this idea of like, man, like, how, you know, what, what's the next step? If you're just bad at existing, how do you become good at existing? Uh, I don't know. And so I'm kind of trying to figure this out. And then this brings me to like the last thing um, that, that I kind of want to talk about. Like, so if we think about, man, like oftentimes we're, we're good employees of God, but we're bad tiles of God. We might be bad at just being or existing. But then the final thing that I think kind of um, wraps it up and, and kind of brings us to a place that like I'm just getting to, so I don't have the answers of what it looks like over 10 or 15 years, but, but I'm starting to understand it is this idea is that we can have relationship with God, not based on what we do, but based on what he already did. We can have relationship with God, not based on what we do, but instead based on what he already did. And so I don't know where you're at in your walk with God and in understanding him. You might, you know, this might be your first time in church in, you know, 20 years. This might be the first time you're there. But, but the reality is we all find ourselves sometimes stuck in a place where, man, like, we feel like we don't deserve relationship with God. We don't deserve what he has for us. And I think this was kind of one of those things that, that ha- like, it blew my mind because I had an experience where I was, uh, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts for a little while when I was in, when I was in college, and, and as I was there, I, I was talking to this guy, and he was just one of those people who, like, everyone likes to be around. Like, he was just really fun, really exciting. So, you know those people who they just, they're just kind of exciting to be around. And, and I knew he didn't go to church, but he was still a really nice guy, and he was always super talkative, and, and he would just want, and he just always had everyone's best interests at heart. And, and so, he was super nice. And one day, we're sitting there, and we're talking, and he's kind of asking me, like, hey, yeah, so what do you do? What, what's your, what are your plans in life? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in college. I'm going to be a minister. And, and he didn't go to church, but he's like, wow, man, that's so cool. He's like, not a lot of people would do that. Not a lot of people would, would want to follow something like that. I said, yeah, I know, but, you know, I just, I just like it, and I, I love God, and I just want to serve him. And so we started to kind of talk about that a little bit, and I, so I finally got to the point where I started asking him about his church life. And I said, yeah, so do you go to church or anything like that? And he literally looks at me, he's like, nah, man, I don't go to church. If I ever set foot in a church, the whole place would collapse on me. And I just remember thinking, like, my gosh, like, that's so heartbreaking that, that you feel, you, you don't even go to church, but man, you feel and you believe that you have to act a certain way before you're ever allowed to step through the doors of a church. That you have to make yourself good enough before you're allowed to come into the presence of God. And like that, for me, that was like, that was an eye-opening moment for me because here's someone who, who hadn't been to church since he was like 13 uh, and, and, and he's just expressing this idea that like, man, I'm not good enough. I haven't earned it. I haven't earned a right to sit at Jesus' feet. I, I haven't done enough good things or I've done too many bad things to allow that to happen. And that was like this big moment for me where I realized, man, we are all stuck in this mentality sometimes. That I have to work 
hard enough. I have to fill my roles. I have to do all of these things. Once I have a perfect family, then I'm allowed to come to church. Once, once my kids stop biting the kids' church teachers, then I'm allowed to come to church. Once, once you know, and like all these things that, that the reality is God didn't ask you to do any of that to come to know him. And so one of my favorite lines in the song we just sang is, I'm not enough unless you come. I'm not enough unless you come. And so we sang that, and and I think that's a mentality we all need to adopt. We all need to take on. We all need to accept in our life. Like, here's reality. You are never going to be a good enough mom. You are never going to be a good enough dad. You are never going to be a good enough employee. You're never going to be a good enough pastor. You're never going to, you are never going to be good enough at all these things that you think earn you the love of God. And that's okay. It's okay to not be good enough. It's okay to have not made all the right choices. It's okay to not feel like you have it all sorted out. The reality is we're not called to build our lives on the roles we've given ourselves. There's only one role that we are called to build our lives on, and that is being a child of God. That is knowing that there is nothing you can do that earns you a spot on the couch with him. There's nothing that you can do that earns you the right to sit with him. There's nothing that you can do that earns you anything because he already gave it to you. He already gave you that right. We need to accept that in our lives. We need to accept that God has called us to be his children first and foremost. And when I think about a sinkhole, like one of the things that it talks about as I've researched sinkholes for this is is it talks about the fact that sinkholes develop not because there's a giant cave that people built on top of. Sinkholes develop because there's, there's, there's less than ideal stone underneath the surface. And over time, water will move in and and water will cause the stones to kind of shift and it'll move the sand and it'll start to build a cavern. And and the reality is as weight gets put on top of it, eventually it will collapse. And here's the reality. A lot of us build our lives on less than ideal stones. You build your life on the roles that you've defined yourself. You build your life on, man, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm I'm a brother, I'm a friend, I'm an employee, I'm this, I'm that. And we continue to build our life on that. And the reality is those are all things that will eventually give way. There's going to be mistakes that happen in your life where you're not going to be the perfect mom. You're not going to be the perfect brother. Your your kids are not going to be the perfect kids back to you, even if you do everything right. And the reality is when your world collapses around that, it is destructive. For me, it was sitting in the car with my pastor and my friend and realizing I don't know who I am outside of my role. And it's, it's, it's almost like I'm sitting there and, and I can see in that moment, like, if this stays up, I'm going to watch my life fall apart. I'm going to fail in ministry. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to ruin my friendships. I'm going to ruin my family. I'm going to do all of these things if I don't deal with this because I'm building my life on less than ideal stone. I'm building my life on something that won't support me forever. 
I'm building my life on that which is temporary. But here's the reality. We are called to build our life on who God is and what he has done for us. And what he has done, the truth that we can all rest in and be excited about is, man, he died so that you didn't have to earn your place by his side anymore. Jesus, in this moment when he's sitting there with Martha and Mary, he's looking at them knowing, man, Martha, you're missing it. You're never going to earn your right to sit at my feet. You're never going to earn the right to spend time with me. Instead, just come do it. Come be with me. Come spend time on the couch with me. Come, 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 come get to know me. Come be around me. Because the reality is, man, that is a truth that we can build eternity. It won't stop. It'll never go away, man. His love for you will never die. And your world will never be rocked again. Because you chose to build your life, not on the role you gave yourself, not on the roles that have been thrust upon you, but instead on the love that he has for you. So I'm going to pray, and in this moment, we're going to give up some things. You know, there are roles in here that you've put on yourself that it's time to give up, and it's time to let go of. It's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to define myself. I'm not going to define my, the, how much I earn the love of God based on the quality of my parenting. I'm not going to define myself based on the quality of uh, my everyday life. I'm not going to define myself based on the roles that people have put on me, whether it be idiot or, or, or ugly or, or dumb or, or things like that. You know, I'm not going to define myself on those roles anymore. And I'm not going to define myself even on the good roles necessarily of mom, dad, friend. You know what? I'm going to define myself on the role of child of God, and that's it. And everything else is going to build on top of that. Because God has a better plan for your life than you can ever imagine. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to begin to release some of these roles that we've defined ourselves in. And so bow your heads with me. God, we just pray in this moment that you begin to release some of the roles that we've thrust upon ourselves. This, this idea, this wrong idea that <clears throat> we can earn our place at your side. That if we work hard enough, if we're a good enough employee, then we get to be your kid. But you look at us and you say, no, you're my kid first before anything else. God, we're just going to begin to build our life on that idea. That love that will never give way. That word that is a strong rock. When the rains come and, and the water threatens, God, our rock will never give away. We're going to build our life on the ideal rock because you have something for us. You have a purpose for us. You have a, you have a journey for us that we can't even begin to imagine. God, we praise you. We celebrate you. And most of all, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.